And welcome to another episode of Stack Hunters. I'm Bradley Staller, your host tonight. I've got a great guest joining us here in just a second. Liam Murphy, winner of the Best Ball Mania 2 tournament, many other tournaments. And Liam is going to talk with us about some risers fallers. And we're going to get into some elite quarterback stacks. So make sure you guys are tuning in, checking out this episode, sharing it with your friends. And let's get to it. Liam, look at us. We're here. Thanks for making it. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great having you on. Uh, I know that you won at Best Ball Mania 2. And before we get into talking about risers and followers and all that, you want to talk about your team. And you you won the tournament. This was the second one. I had Justin Herzig on a couple weeks ago. With He won the first one. You won this one. What led you to winning the Best Ball Mania 2? Talk to me about your team. I think it was a it was a two five nine two team. Josh Allen and Justin Fields at quarterback, which essentially meant it was a single quarterback team because Justin Fields I think contributed like two point nine points on Josh Allen's bye, and other than that, did not hit the lineup. The five running backs were JT and Aaron Jones in the first and second, kind of playing the news cycle. There, I drafted my winning team in June. JT fell that year. Towards the back end, I think I picked out like the eight hole because Carson Wentz's injury, like we were worried he was going to be injured to start the year and that made him fall, which I thought it was like, it should have been the opposite. There was offensive line issues too. Didn't Quentin Nelson have an injury as well? I I can't remember that. I I do remember the Wentz thing mainly being discussed. And then Aaron Jones was playing the Aaron Rodgers, you know, rumors that year where him and Jones and Adams fell that year. Damian Harris was my mid-round running back where in like the eighth round, and he came through huge with a bunch of playoff weeks. He scored 50 touchdowns that week, and he just paid off great value, contributed to the finals, hit 17 points, I think, and that just was like the, the, game, the score you needed to have week 16. He had a big performance against Buffalo, several touchdowns on the ground. And then Rashad Penny in the late round was – the one of the required pieces to win that year, him and Amon Ross St. Brown, two late round picks that I hit on that just they played each other week 17. So I was I was targeting week 17 game stacks before it was commonly discussed and them going back and forth for 30 week 17 and really just coming on down the stretch were like key pieces. And Jeff Wilson was my fifth running back. And I drafted Jeff Wilson that year after he got injured with the idea that people were no longer drafting him. It was still on a team where I wanted to target the running backs from. And I thought he would be like the lead running back when, when healthy. And I was like, all right, I can carry a Jeff Wilson for four weeks or whatever. Ended up being Elijah Mitchell came out of nowhere that year in the, in in the, in the, he's like a sixth round draft pick. He wasn't drafted that much, but Jeff Wilson did contribute points in the playoffs. Wasn't a reason I won anything, but adding in a lone guy. And then a wide receiver, Jamar Chase was like the best wide on the team and a big part of the reason to advance. Other than that, um, the late round guys were really the hammers and Amon Ra and Christian Kirk. And then, you know, Mari Cooper did fine. Chase Claypool did fine. Cole Beasley didn't do much. Um, 
Diami Brown didn't hit the lineup at all. MBS had a big week, week 15. Remember that this was a COVID year too. So like right. just getting a full team <laughs> was what, like any given week of the playoffs was hard. Where like the Chargers and the Eagles smashed that year, but both of them had COVID one year. And I believe that. And then Noah Fant and, and Mike Isecki were the tight ends. Mid-round picks, expensive. They 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 did whatever. They contributed like 100 points over the season, but... Noah Fant in garbage time got that touchdown from Drew Locke against the Chargers, and that really cemented the victory. It was just like going to be hard for me to lose at that point other than like a Nick Chubb 50-60 to 60 point game against the Steelers on Monday Night Football. And I don't know if Nick Chubb could ever get to 50 or 60 points with his lack of pass-catching pass out opportunity we might see a 50 point game out of chubb this year if if the browns utilize him in the way that we hope liam it's so exciting to talk about what's happened in the past we're going to talk about what's happening right now as well we've seen some shifts here in the best ball streets one of the biggest risers over the past two weeks has been saquon barkley obviously because of the signing we had seen barkley fall in the back end of the second into the third round he was at the 21st overall pick at the ADP, but now he's been to 17. I've seen him go in the back end of the first round even. How are you approaching Barkley, given that he was being drafted a lot later for a decent portion of this offseason? I, I feel like I'm still drafting some of him, but I don't want to not have Barkley on my team. But at the same time, how much are you considering other people getting significant discounts on Saquon Barkley throughout this this offseason? I don't think it's a big deal because, yeah, you're, you're feeling good about those teams where you have Jefferson, Saquon, Chase, Saquon, which there are definitely teams out there like that. But at the same time, like you don't you were never competing with a. it's not like Saquon fell a full round. Right. It's not like people got him. A, a, a discount like that where he never fell to the three four so if you pick him at the one two you don't have to worry about teams having law chubb saquon I mean, maybe there's like a team like that but that's not a prevalent team out there you're still comparing your first third and fourth picks versus the guys who got him at one two so i'm totally fine with saquon still um He's not the most comfy guy, just getting up there in age and kind of signs of slowing down a bit last year, but at the same time, still could be up the... And then the, the Giants added all these target competitions, but it's a it's a coach we want to bet on. It's a... Right. So I'm still taking some Saquon there, but he's not like a priority target for my for me at the one, two. But he's, he still could be like RB1 on the year, right? Like we should never be shocked right. if Saquon does that. Yeah, sprinkling in some Saquon exposure should be the right move, I think, especially given that we've got this clarity. We, I agree with you. I think the Giants' offense is going to be better. They were really conservative last year, only 31 pass attempts per game. They've really run heavy, and if they include Saquon a little bit more in the passing game, he was already getting a decent target share. Even if the target share goes down because of Darren Waller's presence, I still think that the volume increase will offset that a little bit, or at least enough where we're not going to notice it, and uh, maybe he'll get a little bit more goal line work as well. The next biggest riser is Justin Ross, getting a lot of camp buzz, running with the ones on some in some opportunities there, up almost 15%. He's now being drafted in most drafts from 215 to 183 overall. We'll talk more about 
the Chiefs pass catchers. Is Ross someone that you're just tossing in still at the end of draft to stack with Mahomes? Or is he just another piece that uh, I don't care? It's too late in the draft. Maybe he'll hit. What are your thoughts on Justin Ross? Yeah, my feelings about Ross hasn't really changed since last year where I thought like I thought the Chiefs signed him for a reason. Let him like I think the the clear goal was like this guy's very talented. Let's let him heal a year and then let's see what happens. He's in potentially a really weak wide receiver room. I see those training camp videos and I do worry like his legs just look like very thin. That's so I'm like, man, if he, if he gets hit hard, like, is he going to get blown up? I'm no Devonta Smith is skinny too. Right. And he smashes. Right. I don't think his price has gotten too crazy. We shouldn't really care that people have 18th round Justin Ross versus our 16th round. I wouldn't chase him too far, but I still think he could, he could smash, right? Like I, I still think there's a lot of lack of clarity in the chiefs wide receiver room personally so he's a guy sprinkle in i definitely think he's a priority target on Mahomes, but we should realize he is drawing live to be a total zero as well oh yeah he could be a total zero i drafted a bunch of him last year (laughs) and that just did not hit but at the same time i think it was the right process to take shots on the ambiguous chiefs wide receivers and just see what hit and I think the Chiefs are just waiting to see what hit, frankly, because they signed John Ross, who ended up retiring. Justin Ross, Kadarius Tony, they traded for. They they draft Rasheed Rice, Sky Moore, like you name it. It could be anyone. They signed Richie James for crying out loud. We don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if the Chiefs know who it's going to be. But taking shots on Justin Ross, I think is is at least worth it. This was a player freshman year for Clemson, over four yards. Yards per route run. It was a phenomenal freshman year. He had two games over 100 receiving yards, one against, I think it was Bama, and one against Notre Dame, and it was crushing near the end and unfortunately did suffer those injuries. So good on him getting some camp hype. We'll continue to sprinkle him in. I think that's the consensus. Yeah, and I'm comfortable taking zeros more than others. Like It's very in vogue to be like, oh, zeros are bad for your roster. Look at me winning BBM too. It's worth gambling on upside late in drafts i hit on sun god right i hit on amon st brown and i also took dayami brown a total zero and it didn't matter so you can if you're gambling on some guys who have legitimate upside right like we're not targeting an ambiguous patriots pass catching room right like that's not that's not something i'm doing but justin ross with mahomes on we we still don't know like buzz has been good on sky Moore, but he was pretty bad last year and probably profiles to be the slot anyways. And ask yourself what happens if Travis Kelsey goes down because the guy is 35 or, or 34 or something like that. Yeah, what if Kelsey goes down, there's probably going to be a lot of rotation in the tight end room. Noah, I think it's Noah Gray out of Duke is is the next man up. But there's also like Jody Fortson, who, whoever else. Like maybe it's worth taking a late round uh stab on some of those chiefs tight ends just in case what happens if he gets injured or or if we do see an age cliff something like that we'll move on here to a player who's been steamed up even higher it feels like a yo-yo right now with you liam we're, we're going second round and then <laughs> we're going the back the end of the draft we'll go back to near the top of the draft with calvin ridley almost up 14 percent over the last two weeks the hype is real for calvin ridley the hype videos are there. The Jaguars beat reporters can't stop 
can't stop talking about how Ridley is the best wide receiver that is on the field. And he was once a pretty easy fourth round, fifth round click for me, but he's now getting into the two, three turn. I'm wondering, do we just continue to buy into Calvin Ridley just as how we buy into the Jags offense and we'll just continue to follow him up and continue his rise? Or is there a line of demarcation for Calvin Ridley? And maybe we've already passed it. I'm a big Calvin Ridley guy. A, the dude got suspended for gambling, right? Already, we're going we're gonna to stand with that dude. Uh, <laughs> B, like, he never got by me in the third or fourth. So when I was like on the 3-4 turn, he, he, it was, I always had it him and then Debo. But I was going Ridley over Debo, just betting on, like, you take Trevor, who was very good, finally gets a second year with a real coach. No more Urban Meyer nonsense. And you insert Calvin Ridley. It's not crazy that Trevor could lead the league in passing. That is in the range of outcomes. He could have 5,000 yards. Him at the 2-3, totally fine. I think he arguably should go ahead of these wide receiver twos that we like. Like He arguably should go ahead of Devonta Smith, T. Higgins, maybe even Waddle. But I would not be into taking him at the 1-2 turn because, again, that's... You, you know that he fell to the three. He was at the three, four for a large portion of the draft cycle. Right. So, yeah. A team or two where you're just taking on an extra, whatever, Jerry, Judy, whoever you're taking there is fine as far as like different player combos. But at the two, three, it's totally fine because Trevor falls anyways. It lines up with Kirk's ADP. And again, you're pairing him with a Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, CMC, and other people, like all my Ridley teams at the 3-4 are paired more with Pollard, Amon Ra, A.J. Brown, Bijan, guys like that in that ADP range. Yeah, and Ridley, you mentioned he's a baller a couple years ago, 1,500 yards. But, heck, he was a player that two years ago we were drafting in the second round, even with a washed-up Matt Ryan. Pair him with an elite Trevor Lawrence, who was top four last year in rate of top five weeks, we've already got a spike week quarterback king, and you pair him with a, a, a player who has historically commanded a 25% target share each of the last couple seasons he's been playing. I'm here for that. I'm here for the Ridley love. The Alabama renaissance is, is in full swing here. We'll finish off the biggest risers with Javante Williams, a pretty controversial player because he's been getting a lot of positive buzz as well out of camp. Some beat reporters are calling his return miraculous. Some of the Twitter doctors as well are pleased with his progress, but we've also seen historical production from running backs coming back from ACL tears, not produce. I think it's like an average of 15% decrease of production year over year. He's up almost 10%. How are you approaching Javante Williams is this enough or is he like the Josh Jacobs of, of last year where, yeah, he could be the league winner by the end of the season. And he's a piece on the Sean Payton offense that, that could really spark your team. And maybe this is also justification for a zero RB built like a, a player who could be a zero RB type of player that, that we're discounting because of this injury. I'm still worried on Javante. The, I personally, my approach with him was I was not going to draft him at all and just wait for the news. I will say every single bit of news has been extremely positive. So he's definitely drawing live to just like absolutely bury me and Josh Jacobs me. I'm not that, whereas Brees Hall is like a breakaway runner. 
It's not really Javante, right? I don't even know if we know what Javante is. He had 12 targets in the game with Russell before he got hurt. If that's what Javante is, sign me up. I'm pretty down on the Broncos as a team, too. I just I think Russ could be brutal. Now, maybe going from Russ to Stidham could be actually a boon to the team. And I could be like right but wrong because the backup quarterback saves them. Or Russ could be good again. So I don't know. Like in an age where like running backs are struggling to get paid, it doesn't really make sense for Javante either to rush himself back out there. Now, for something like Best Ball Mania or any of these playoff tournaments, we know all the money's in the last couple weeks anyway. So if we knew Javante was full go, he gets the Chargers, who historically have been like a bad run defense by design. So that that's like a... Yeah, Joey a, Bosa can't stop a, a squirrel. Running well, yeah, it's like, it's like they want teams to run because that's on, honestly like the sharp move. You're going to fumble. You, you want... That's what their coach wants them to happen to them. But I still think there's talent on the Chargers defense. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not too in on him. If he super rises, I'm out. But I still think there's there's other running backs in that range that also could be very good too. So it's James Cook, guys like that, where it's I see potential league winning upside in some of these guys too. Yeah, I don't know. How have you, how, how have you been approaching it? Because I feel like people are all over the map on Javante. Some people are full go. Um Apparently, he's been like playing the preseason. I really want to see that closely. You know, like you, you can't really rush your body, even if you are ready. So, right now, I'm at nearly 0% exposure. My plan was to take some here in from mid August through the beginning and just wait for news because I was completely out on Javante. And this positive news at least has given me a reason to take a couple shares and to, to draft him a few times, but a line of demarcation for me right now at 80 overall, he's right behind Deandre Swift, David Montgomery. I like those players and their upside significantly more than Javante Williams. He's leapfrogged James Connor, Rashad white, Alvin Kamara, James cook, Isaiah Pacheco, Dalvin Cook, because Cook has fallen. And I wonder if all of those players, or almost all of those players, are better picks than Javante as well. Um, and I think if I'm leaning away from Javante, this is where you you take some Samaj P. Ryan or some really like 18th round, or if you're in DK, 20th round, Tyler Beatty or whoever else. We'll pay attention to the depth charts, but I think that's where we lean is if you're out on Javante, you should be taking some sprinkles of the other running backs because we've seen how effective running back has been for the Sean Payton offense for fantasy. It's just, if you are a believer in Javante, I I still don't see how he can get ahead of the Swifts and Dobbins at this point. We'll talk about Dobbins in a little bit, but I, I can't see it. Yeah, I just almost never draft Broncos in general. So I'll do it on, on Chargers teams, but like this could be a evaluate and build for the future year. I'm, they're in a, they're comfortably worse than the Chargers and Chiefs to me. In the Raiders, I, I guess they may, maybe they can beat the Raiders. That's not saying that's maybe not they saying can much. beat the Raiders. Yeah, and on a, and on a half point PPR site, Javante needs to either Josh Jacobs you to bury you. Or score a bunch of touchdowns, and I'm just like not, I'm not that afraid of him burying me. Could he be fine? Yes. But I don't want to take the risk for fine because, I don't know, he could play there. He could get one helmet to the knee, and all of a sudden it's things are not right. 
We will take a short break, and I want y'all to hear from Matt Kelly about our world-famous draft kit. Hey, it's the Podfather. I have great news. The 2023 draft kit is live. It is world-famous. Why? Because it is the best resource for winning fantasy football championships that exists. There are rankings and cheat sheets for every format you can imagine. We have projections both at the team level and the player level. And wherever you are, you can click on a player, open them up, and see in-depth written analysis about what to expect in fantasy football from that player this year. And then you can click on the team, and you can get even more in-depth analysis, all the drivers of fantasy production, both in a positive and negative direction for that team, including a signature trend. And the graphics are incredible. So these team insights, they give you the team-level projections, the vacated targets, the vacated areas, and that one dynamic for each team that you need to know when making decisions on draft day. And we added a bunch of features. Individual cheat sheets for Theo and Billy and Dario. So you can take your favorite analyst and download their personal draft cheat sheet. And then in the commissioner's section, also brand new this year, Memphis Young lays out everything you need to know to manage a league. Do's, don'ts, tips, and what the more innovative fantasy commissioners are doing this year. That's presented by Trophy Smack. The whole package is presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Ray Garvin, Derek Brown, the best minds in the industry contributing analysis. It's certainly not the most inexpensive draft kit on the market, but it is the best. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Go get it. That's right. Go get your draft kits today, everyone. Liam Murphy here with me tonight. We're going to be talking about some biggest fallers, and then we'll get into wide receivers and tight ends who come after their elite quarterbacks and how we're approaching those stacks. Biggest faller over the last two weeks, Liam, has been Jonathan Taylor. He's had a 32% drop in his ADP from two weeks ago, down from 17th overall to 23rd. I've seen him go mid-third round in some of the drafts I've been in this week. And there are two strikes against Taylor. He's been placed on the pup due to the ankle surgery offseason and the contract holdout. We've also heard rumblings about Kareem Hunt canceling his workout to go possibly sign with the Indianapolis Colts. I think this is a buy-the-dip moment for Jonathan Taylor. You can create a super team if he comes on and is healthy, but are you approaching it as a situation where there is more risk as well? If you want to build a super team, like Jonathan Taylor could be it, but maybe there's more risk with the Anthony Richardson, the Colts being possibly bad this year. Like There's, there's obvious downside. There's upside. But maybe there's also downside, too. How are you approaching Jonathan Taylor's fall from the mid-second round? I was full fading him when he was at the 1-2. was just very comfortable having 0%. Um, where I still think he's going to have some spike weeks in a healthy game, right? right? And they get to play the Raiders in Week 17. So that could, that could be real good. Could he go for 50? Yes. But I was viewing him as like an expensive Miles Sanders where pairing Anthony Richardson is a really big deal, where Anthony right. Richardson takes could score 10 touchdowns on the ground, right? Like this is literally the most athletic quarterback of all time. Right. So I I got like one or two shares at the 2-3 to pair him with a JJ or Chase. I have 
But I, I truly want that three, four dip because I don't think, you know, all historically the players I'm out on and then they fall in ADP. Like, sometimes you don't want to buy the dip on them. Sometimes right. you're out on them for a reason. And I will, I do have some teams with him at the three, four where now I'm really taking leverage against those one, two turn JT teams was I get them a full round after, but personally I thought he was too expensive to begin. There's a lot of, a lot of concern that he's not going to play. I'm concerned about that. And when I do take him, I find that I build my team's pretty robust running back to carry him anyway. I I draft like I basically did not take any player that round. And I'm just going to have extra firepower at running back if he comes back. But I'm that worried about it. Now, in a low stakes one, I might not, but I'm in the, I'm in a lot of high stakes streets. And when I, I like autoed him, one day at the two, three and was like legitimately upset and just hit a bunch of running backs in the mid range. I did take him on purpose in the, at the three, four turn, but him versus Josh Jacobs versus Ramondre versus Brees Hall. It's not like his range of outcomes or even like ceiling or, or like high floors is that much better than those dudes anyways. So I just like to play dudes who I have less worries about where we have a literally insane man running the team. And Jim Irsay, who will do whatever he feels like. Um, and it feels like the NFL is trying to hold the line against these these running backs where the owners soft colluding, hard colluding, whatever you want to say, but not impossible behind closed doors. They were like, you're not paying this dude. <laughs> like We're only paying the CMCs of the world. And I don't know, like not a great sign. They are bringing in Kareem Hunt. Um, I really don't know how to play that, but I did videos of him walking around and it looks bad he i mean he had this ankle surgery and now he's having a cleanup or something i I don't know it all seems weird at moments i feel like he's going to play like i did take him in a high stakes team but i'm personally very worried how how about you yeah i have so i'm i pulled up my exposure on underdog we don't have underdog here in michigan so i've had to do all my drafts slow and while i've been visiting in ohio so full disclosure but zero percent on underdog 0% 0% exposure there in, I don't know, 13 teams so far. I have 25 slows going right now because I just visited this past week. But uh, I'm looking at my exposures here on DK, and I was, I was thankful that you were stalling a little bit <laughs> talking about Jonathan Taylor. But Jonathan Taylor here, 4% on DK, and I have 150 drafts there. I'm very low exposed uh, drafters, I don't think I've drafted him at all on drafters fantasy. So yeah, uh, this is a player I've been really avoiding and I don't see a good way to build around him either. As you mentioned, you're taking, you're viewing him as a de- dead zone player or a zero. No, like a literal dead roster. Like, like I, like literally I dead roster that draft pick. <laughs> and I, I think I view him. I don't know. I, that was an interesting way to put it because I was just simply not drafting him or seeing a way in which he fit well into builds. And I've been also focused on drafting a lot more intentionally zero RB builds. I don't know if I can quite get to King caps like 68 to 80% zero RB, but I've been trying to be more intentional of getting more zero RB into my portfolio. And like Jonathan Taylor simply does not fit that. And if I'm taking an anchor, give me a different anchor. Give me someone who, as you mentioned, like Brees Hall, give me a player whose range of outcomes can spike significantly. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers lean into his pass catching running backs. The the Jets get Cleveland where the weather could be really bad and and the 
the passing game could be really conservative in that environment. So give me, give me Brees Hall, for instance. I like that call. Or, or um, he could get like a he could get like a Saquon type deal, and yeah. then late in the season, like he gets like a one year deal when you need him to play. He could just he could be not that banged up, but sitting out because yeah. he needs to protect his future. It could I don't know. Like I already thought he was going to be a low advance rate guy, which is good if you can sneak a low advance rate guy to the finals who has a high ceiling like Taylor. But I typically don't try to do that with my first, second, third round picks. And, and he could, yeah. and, and by, like the longer this holds out, the more he will fall. He could, we could see him fall into the fourth round if you give this a week or two. That would be very interesting. Now, now it's cool. okay. Now I kind of am like, unless the news is that bad, maybe now I am like taking him. He could fall further is, is the point. Yeah, we're not we're not buying right now. We believe he could fall further. Kadarius Tony has also fallen thirty two percent over the last two weeks, from seventy second overall, so back end of the sixth round to seven, beginning of the seventh round to ninety fifth overall. I've seen him go in the one tens on DraftKings, like he's been pushed significantly further down. And we talked earlier about the Chiefs and, and taking shots on this offense. And and we like the, the yards per route run. And we like the spike week potential. And the like Kadarius Tony's a human joystick. But 30% of his fantasy points came in one game. Like, <laughs> this is a player who does have immense upside. And we do play this game of best ball. But he could be a literal zero for 80% of your, of your season even though he's tied to Patrick Mahomes in the 110s. Sure. I'll take shots given that he's there, but good luck for those who are taking him in the sixties or seventies. Right. Yeah. He was going to be a full fade of mine at that price because like he was going around guys like Gabe Davis and Hollywood Brown at the time, like guys who I thought had similar ceilings, if not better, like ceiling outcomes. And, and I hate to, I'm not a guy who like fades injured players. Like, I thought it was like silly, like talking about like the CMC stuff last year, how some people were like, oh, CMC's always injured. But Tony's a different case where like hamstrings is a thing where we have seen repeat a yes. lot. We've seen that happen with Keenan. And it was never really clear what weapon he was going to be for the Chiefs, where like he gets these like scheme usage. Like I drafted quite He's a bit. He's not an alpha. He's not an no. alpha wide receiver. So. He's not like winning down the field. Like he, he was, it's hard to get that game against the Cowboys out of your head where he just went off, but I don't know. He's another reportedly he's going to be back for week one. I think it would be prudent for me to get some shares on underdog if he goes into the hundreds, but he's another guy where I'm comfortable just gambling on the chiefs in different ways, but I, I don't know. He, he he's hard for me. How, how, how about you? Have you been buying the dip? I have one share right now on underdog and a 3% of Tony on DraftKings. So this is, this is a player that, yeah, I'll just, cause he's not getting in reps any right now there. Why is there a reason to, to be buying him when he can continue to fall a little bit? Like we could see 10th round Kadarius Tony, 11th round Kadarius Tony pretty easily. Especially you know, as other guys get steamed up with the preseason and whatnot. Like one, like Marvin Mims catches a touchdown or any of the other rookies, like they, they could jump and all of a sudden you can get like 12th, 13th round Tony where people are like, yeah, okay, he's supposed to play week one, but is he, you know? So 
I don't know. I'm like, you know, if I knew he was playing week 17 against the Bengals, I'd probably want some shares though. So it's just, it's just it, the Chiefs have been hard this year. Obviously like a team we want to buy, but I think we saw last year, it's like the answer of who you wanted on your team was only Kelsey and McKinnon. Yeah. It was no wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah. Juju did whatever, but Juju so was doing okay until the concussions and the knee issues and all of that. Like he was doing okay. There were some bad games, but there were some okay games. And then the concussion, I think, really did mess with him at near the end of the season. And he was just not the same. So yeah, I agree with you. This is uh this is one that we're monitoring. So let's let's wait for Tony to fall a little bit more too. Cooper Cup has fallen down from the fourth overall to between the fifth and sixth pick. And usually we're not too picky about the minutia, but it's significant because that's a 29% drop relative to his previous ADP. And most drafters now are taking Christian McCaffrey. They're taking Tyreek Hill. And some of them are taking Travis Kelsey over Cooper Cup. We just saw some videos today of Cup doing some workouts back on the field. He looked okay. Do we really care about or should we really care about the Cooper Cup injury? Are we just gaining more exposure to Cup or was, as you mentioned earlier, this hamstring issue something that you're keeping in mind as a possible recurrence throughout the season and maybe a reason why we should be a little bit more uncomfortable with Cup? I was taking him at the three and four previously. Now I'm taking him at the 105. Never, never falls past me there. I'm not someone who's doing Kelsey and the other guys above him. Just to, just too much of a ceiling. Like literally could be the number one fantasy player in the whole, in the whole player pool. We've seen that before, probably like Stafford's last ride or coming down to it. So would expect him to get peppered in just a weak room. Um, He's a guy, and like the injury, like the the injury didn't seem to be that serious. It's not like he really needs to practice that much with Stafford. I am taking CMC, I think, over him now because why not? I should get some shares of CMC anyways. But yeah, definitely not taking Kelsey or or anyone else above Cup. All right, there we go. I agree with you that I, with how my builds are generally, it's been a lot of Jefferson Chase, Cup, and Hill at the beginning of those drafts. So really focusing on those wide receivers. So uh, my plan was to sprinkle in, as I mentioned earlier, a lot more of the running back exposure as we got closer to the season. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not really worried about Cup. If anything, let's uh, let's continue to draft him at the five and six overall. Yeah, and he falls to the eight, nine even further sometimes right like a site like DraftKings where they add the out symbol that will spook people oh, yes. <laughs> who don't know what they're doing all right the last biggest faller was jk dobbins he's had the holdout he's technically on the pup i guess it's the unofficial holdout reportedly in negotiations with the baltimore ravens regarding the, contract. the owner at practice and stuff like that like, i don't know how to read this necessarily all i'm doing is buying jk dobbins this was a player who last year coming off of a pretty massive injury comparable to the javante injury was number three in juke rate he w- had one of the highest yards per yards expected yards per carry and that was despite the fact that he was number two in men in the box like he faced so many players in the box they they expected him to run and he still ran for a high yardage so jk dobbins is a player that i like his juke rate i like his metrics underlying i know he doesn't catch a lot of passes but he's fallen to 69th overall and 
this is a player that I'm really comfortable with in zero RB builds. Like I go wide receivers and quarterbacks and and maybe one of the elite tight ends and then draft Dobbins. Maybe correlating with some Hill or some Waddle or or Lam- stacking with Lamar or or even correlating with Andrews. Like Dobbins is a player that I'm pretty comfortable drafting. And if you, there's going to be discounts, like he was a player I drafted in the pros versus Joes, and he fell around relative to the. FFPC best ball ADP. So I, I'm buying J.K. Dobbins. How are you approaching J.K. Dobbins here, Liam? Mostly a buy for me. I do want that. I don't want to be holding the line with him where it's, sometimes you got to let players you like fall just to see how far they will fall, right? You can't always Push be the a little bit. Like, it stops here, right? Like where yeah. so I passed on him in the seventh the other day in a best ball mania I streamed just because I was curious where he would go. And it's not like he... Like, he arguably should have been in this tier maybe anyway. So that's guys like James Cook, DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery. It's fine if you put him in the Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce, like, mini weird, like, mini tier. That's just, like, after all the wide receivers. But, yeah, mostly a buy. It's going to be a super pace-up team, the Ravens, this year compared to— Greg Roman is, like, truly a bad OC for, in my opinion. And and he's out of there a lot more— competition though for touchdowns probably where you know not on the ground but it's like just got gus edwards and right. melvin gordon you still got to compete with lamar and you got to compete with now odell zay flowers healthy bateman and of course mark andrews yeah yeah mark, so the ball could be spread around quite quite a bit is the point but in best ball he has a good chance of, of getting some touchdowns so I, I am a buyer of him but on a ppr site I think it's okay to see how far he'll go because he might even fall to. I think I have some shares of him in the eighth. Yeah. Uh, with like on a PPR side, people are like, eh, I'm just not going to do it here in a high stakes, too. Yeah. We like, we like the Dobbins and we like the Baltimore Miami week 17 as well. That's a, that's a matchup that I'm targeting a lot. I want yeah, one of, my, of, one of the best. All right. Liam, we're going to jump into some wide receivers and tight ends who come after their quarterbacks. This concept or or this idea for the podcast tonight came from a conversation I had with Matt Kelly. I went out to Connecticut. I went on vacation, Liam. We wanted to schedule it for last week, but I was out of town in, in Connecticut visiting some family. But Matt Kelly also lives out there, and I visited him visited him one night and we got to talking. And one of the things we talked about was these elite quarterbacks who have pass catchers who come after them in ADP. And we started just trying to brainstorm some of these players and, and how we were approaching them. And so I thought, why don't you and I, Liam, like just spitball a few of these and just to, we'll, we'll pick each other's brains about, uh, how we're approaching these particular stacks. So we'll start with Gabe Davis. He's going 71st overall. So at the end of the sixth round, Josh Allen is smack in the middle of the third round, 27th. I've seen him go even later. How are you approaching Josh Allen and Gabe Davis? Because we've seen the spike weeks for Gabe Davis. We've seen that he can absolutely destroy a slate. We've also seen that he like he's, He's not a good receiver sometimes. And so how are we how are how are we supposed to approach Gabe Davis when the public is generally a lot lower than last year? I saw even him drafted at 36 overall last year, the 
Nothing has changed, though. Yeah, You're talking to the guy who had 60% Gabe Davis in Best Ball Mania 2, so two years ago. So obviously buying Gabe Davis. And Josh, I don't think I do not think the elite quarterback should have fallen to the third round. I think I think that's just like the influence of casual fantasy people who casual guys like running backs. That's just it's always what it is. I wasn't really sure how they would play the quarterbacks, but that makes sense that they're running back people, right? Like they could never imagine taking Jalen Hurts over Saquon. That's Saquon Barkley, right? But so Josh Allen. Just like an absolute smash in that range. So is Hurts. Mahomes I'm a little bit lower on just because harder to stack him. I don't think he has the ceiling of an Allen or Hurts in a, in a weekly aspect or in a season-long aspect where everyone goes for their true ceilings. And again, if Kelsey gets hurt, like Mahomes could fall a little bit. But Gabe Davis is a clear buy. It's becoming harder to stack him where he was available previously in the uh, seventh, right? The late seventh, right? Which would have fallen nicely with an Allen at the two, three, but now people at the oftentimes people at the five, six are just taking him on a site that needs touchdowns. So I think Gabe Davis, he had that ankle injury that he played through. So we really don't know what that did to him. Reports have been very good out of camp. I would say though, with the addition of Dalton Kincaid, a first round tight end, it would not be shocking if Davis fell to three in the pecking order. If Davis was, if a uh, Kincaid is that good and just demands targets, and all of a sudden Gabe Davis is still going to have his games where he catches the deep balls, but it, it could even help him, right? Like if if Kincaid is dr- is slowing teams from playing cover two and they're needing to drop a safety to slow down Kincaid, now all of a sudden you got Davis and Diggs one on one with or with just one safety, and so. It, he could even smash even higher. But like on a half-point PPR site, Davis is a no-brainer. And really in any best ball platform where you don't need to predict his games, you just know he's going to have huge games. Yeah, he's got the massive upside, and Allen should be reportedly healthy given the elbow injury he suffered near the end of the season that obviously affected him. We talked about Gabe Davis' ankle injury affecting his performance as well. That I think Gabe Davis is a buy. He's very interesting. I have 30 percent Gabe Davis on underdog right now so maybe I I need to tone it down just a little bit but I am also very excited about the the prospects of of Gabe Davis and the spike week because I I also believe that there are opportunities for him the the pathway is still there for him to smash and have his upside the next one is Dallas Goddard ADP 76.5 Jalen Hurts at ADP 25 Goddard is being stacked, and this is from the BBM4 board. I think it's Chad Mashkey had Dallas Goddard at 38% stacked with Jalen Hurts. I think if you miss out on the A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, you're left with, I do want to stack, and the most viable piece left on the board to stack after is Dallas Goddard, which is why I think he is stacked the most relative to A.J. Brown and and Devonta Smith, but how are you approaching this uh, Goddard-Jalen Hurts combo? Hurts, I'm very in on. We we just saw what the Eagles can do, and they like pulled their starters in the fourth quarter and a half of the games. Their defense could be a little bit worse, which is like a great sign, and their schedule is much harder, right? Like they have games against the Bills, they have games against I think the Bengals, right? Like they have like 
legit, they won't they don't have games against Zach Wilson and like other truly awful quarterbacks that they don't need to play their starters. I do think like garbage's hard for me where it's like stacking your quarterback with a tight end is just always good. They're you know they're very correlated. So the weeks that your tight end scores a touchdown, your quarterback usually does well. On the other hand, I think he's just overpriced from a total points perspective where I like Waller straight up over him who goes after him. I like quite a bit of players straight up over him from like a total points perspective. But again, for playoff weeks, if Dallas Goddard scores 30 week 17, boom, you could win yourself $3 million. So he, I don't have that much Goddard at all. Therefore, I don't have a lot of Hertz Goddard and and Hertz is fine to be naked, right? We know the guy can run it in. He can also spread the ball around. And he's not being stacked that much just from how the ADPs fall. It's totally fine to roll Hertz naked. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I'm a little, I'm coming around to Goddard though, where on like a tight end premium site or whatnot, I think it could be okay. But I, st- I still think he's like pretty expensive. Like the wide receiver tier like really falls apart soon after he's picked, which makes it hard for him where... Like I could see Waller being the engine of the offense of the Giants. That's not what Dallas Goddard's going to be, right? Like he's no. a clear third in the pecking order. Yeah, he could sudden run touchdowns. Um, the team could score just a lot more points in, in a more competitive season. And he probably has a solid contingent upside if AJ Brown or Smith were to get hurt. So I don't know. He's like a hard, he's not a comfortable fade, but he's, he's like a, a pretty low percent in my portfolio personally yeah i only have one share of goddard here on underdog and then i have eight percent on on DraftKings, but usually that's from from value i mean DraftKings, you can get players like 30 spots past adp sometimes so. <laughs> it's delicious it's delightful another perspective we can take is that goddard is the third pass catcher of that team being drafted but 76th overall but, but it, could, it could be swift though and swift could eat into goddard's work a lot they, they run similar area of the field routes so i hear you on the third but it's not like we're targeting it's not like we think jalen hurts is going to pass for five thousand yards right like we're like four thousand is a great season that would be that would be excellent that would be yeah. excellent but what did he hit last year like 3600 something like that uh, that sounds about right I'll, I'll pull it up the while he's looking that up liam we're gonna shift 3, into 3,700, Justin Herbert and Quentin Johnston. Obviously, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams go ahead of Johnston, but Josh Palmer has been left for dead. Now, I'm not a Josh Palmer believer, but at the same time, I don't know if this differential between Quentin Johnston, who's going 79th overall, and Josh Palmer, who's being undrafted in a lot of drafts now, is quite warranted given that Palmer knows the offense. Palmer has had some decent games in the absence of Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And Gerald Everett also exists on this team, and he's a respectable high-end tight end too. So how are you approaching what might be an overpriced Quinton Johnston? He's a guy who I was not drafting a lot in the pre-draft contest. Just thought he there was like a potential he wasn't as good as we may think but when he landed on the chargers he got solid draft capital i'm i'm in on him yeah i've understand the reports that like okay could be more of a split between him and josh palmer gerald Everett is still there i think there's 
supposedly they're going to push the ball down the field. I think that's Quentin Johnston's game, right? Like where, where, where are we expecting him to run the ball? Keenan Allen, again, have the hamstring injuries. He's not, he's not a spring chicken at three or something like that. So I draft him. It's okay if he's a low advance rate guy as a rookie where he still should have a massive ceiling if he doesn't score a ton of points in the regular season for the playoff weeks. Yeah, Quinton Johnson actually is a player that I had as my highest drafted pre-draft wide receiver. And now so I'm you like the talent, but not the <laughs> I, you're I, worried I, about the landing spot with Justin Herbert. I, I was. Uh, I I don't know if Quinton I I don't know if you're familiar Liam with the player profiler moniker lately that that Matt Kelly has been uh, trumpeting that Quinton Johnston is the next Brashad Perriman so we need to stay on brand here but it, the Quinton Johnston role in college was the and he was drafted for a lot of yak yards after catch and so I was hoping that Quinton Johnston maybe. Uh, this was just like a galaxy brain, but maybe Brandon Ayuk would get traded and then Quinton Johnson would take over like a yak role in a Shanahan type offense. But there's also been reports that Keenan Allen is planning to play a lot more on the outside. He actually talked about that as Joe Lombardi had been pigeonholing him in the, in the slot. And now he's gotten a lot more work supposedly this preseason in working on the outside. So maybe Quentin Johnson works a little bit more in the slot, which could work for his yak. So maybe this is a player that I'll continue to listen for, but I liked his talent coming out. I thought he would get the first round draft capital, which is why I was drafting him a lot, but uh, we will see about Quentin Johnson. I'm not completely sold, but I'm not as Brashad Perriman as uh, as Matt Kelly is. <laughs> I think he's got a lot of upside. I'm, I'm a pretty keep it simple stupid when I target my pass catchers where it's I want pass catchers on the Chargers. He is the future. He's a first round pick. He's going to be right. Like, they got him there for a reason. Now, Staley could be fired if they don't win this this season. So maybe he's not the future there for the future but and i don't know like josh palmer's fine but he seems like more of a fill-in for keenan if keenan gets hurt like yeah. running those slants and whatnot and i do think quentin can win down the like he's a big dude right so it's yeah he, he, he's got to have some ability to win down the field he can he can win down the field players that i'm interested as well first round wide receivers will shift into zay flowers and a former first round pick rashad bateman they're getting drafted within about a round of each other. Lamar's going at the end of the third round. Sometimes he's going at the beginning of the third round if the the two three guy wants the Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson. But I've seen Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews go at the three four turn. Sometimes we're not going to focus on Mark Andrews though. How are you discerning the Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman versus? I didn't even list Odell Beckham here, but. The reports have been good for Odell Beckham. I know some people are out on him. Some people are in on him. I'm just betting on Zay Flowers looks like a dog. Zay Flowers looks looks the part, but is the pass volume going to be there to, to maintain even Andrews and one other pass catcher consistently? I draft all the wide receivers. I'm not one who hates Odell. I thought he, he was actually good last time we saw him playing. Got paid a significant amount of money. Got a rest of full year. So I do draft Odell. I draft a lot of Zay. He's gotten more expensive, so I liked him more at the at the 100 range. Bateman, I'm mixing in too. 
a little bit worried with injuries, but supposedly that's not something to worry about. We saw some big games from him last year, like in that Dolphins game. And so I just draft. The Ravens are going to be paced up. Yeah, it might be on like a total points perspective. Maybe they will not. They're not going to be like wide receiver 36, 36. Like we might not get that, but they all should have their spike weeks where right. I could see any of them scoring touchdown. I just think the offense is going to score a lot of points. Again, getting Greg, Greg Roman out there and upgrading to who's those Monken. again? Monken. Yeah, people love him. And he's pace up dudes. And and it could be great for Lamar. We're just like spreading out the defense with these three wides. And so I, I'm just in on all the, the Ravens. I'm drafting a lot of Lamar. And I, this is a player that I'll take both Bateman and Flowers. Or I'll take Flowers. I'll take all Beckham. three. I'll do Odell when, when it's able. Like I'll do Flowers, Bateman, and Odell. Because it's like that range where wide receiver gets gross right. too. And it's whatever, ping pong some weeks and yeah, let's exactly. make it happen. Exactly. I'm here for the ping ponging. Lamar, I think, is one of my most drafted on DraftKings. And and I'm I'm here for, for all that. I don't care if he's not throwing for 300 yards to get that bonus. I'm I'm here for Lamar Jackson season. We've got two more that we're gonna look at pretty quickly. Deshaun Watson and Elijah Moore seem to be going at what is that the end of the seventh round, beginning of the eighth round, that seven, eight turn pretty easy tap and then David Njoku is also going two rounds later Watson has had quarterback one overall in his range of outcomes in previous seasons but we saw last year that he looked rusty and now he's playing outdoors in most games and he relearned the offense I was a big fan of Elijah Moore as a prospect and I think I don't think he got a fair shake in New New York the last year I think that this is a team that interdivisional games could get into shootouts, but Deshaun Watson is, I, I like taking some of the quarterbacks earlier and maybe it's, maybe it's my fear of Deshaun Watson's going to burn me again. Cause I drafted some of him last year just to get some exposure, but how are you approaching Deshaun Watson and these later pass catchers? When I draft Amari Cooper, which is not a ton I'll I'll take a Watson. He is a guy that will fall a round or two past ADP sometimes too. I'm not that afraid. Of, it's not a guy I want to root for. I'm not that afraid of him burying me. I draft a lot more Donovan People Jones. It's, it's just like mm-hmm. a way of playing the team without taking him. Or it's like DPJ can just catch an 80 yard bomb any game. I do mix in some Elijah Moore. And reports have been very good on him. And he's like a hard guy to think through. Where it's like. Everyone loved him last year on fantasy Twitter. I, I didn't really that much just with Zach Wilson. And then, but reports have been good for him now. Again, I think David Njoku is like too expensive from a total points perspective, but he's, it, it again, it's the, if you get Njoku through to the playoff rounds, of course he can catch a touchdown any given week. One of the highest paid tight ends in football and was good last year. But yeah, it doesn't really seem like, Stefanski's offense is the greatest fit for Watson where it's like they want to be this running team but then you have Deshaun who like was a good pass catcher not to mention maybe Deshaun got all this fully guaranteed money and is just not working that hard anymore or I don't know like maybe he can't be cover two or or he could like totally light up like he could totally be a top five quarterback and we're all like ah you needed eighth round Deshaun to like just smash so 
I don't know. It's hard for me. I have the most of DPJ. I got a little bit of Cedric Tillman sprinkled in there too. I like and Tillman. Then, yeah. And then Deshaun when he fits. I'll take a, a couple sprinklings. I did before the heart, the heart thing. I took some Marquise Goodwin. I was taking some some late round Goodwin. I would have drafted him for the same thing, but yeah, once the the recent news, I was I was not because Goodwin was like good with the Seahawks last year. He had some games. He had he had two twenty point PPR weeks, like playing forty percent snaps. Okay, yeah. let the the four two speed guy do his thing downfield, catch a couple bombs. I'm here for it. The last group we've hit on this room already, but we'll focus more on Sky more. Who's going 92nd overall? I've seen him. Some people have been crazy in the best ball streets, Liam. I've seen him go fifth round in some places. <laughs> this is wild where the, the reports are, are positive for Sky Moore, but there's also more played half of his snaps in the slot last year. No player played more than 55% of snaps in the slot, but you had Juju whose slot is gone. You have who is Mikkel Hardman, who played mostly in the slot, is gone. Maybe it's Sky Moore who does fit in there, but maybe Sky Moore plays a lot more on the outside than what we think, and this is possibly Richie James in the slot. And so I'm wondering how we handle Sky Moore here when he's now, I, I wouldn't say leapfrog, maybe Kadarius Tony has fallen past Sky Moore. Maybe that's the perspective we can take. How are you approaching Sky Moore and Patrick Mahomes, who's going 20th or 21st overall very little Mahomes was again I like Allen and Hurts straight up over him and then I would rather get a fifth round Herbert or Justin Fields or Lamar usually than Mahomes if I do take Kelsey which is not often I'll, I'll try to get a Mahomes of course Sky Moore is a guy I'm like I do not know if I've drafted him once and Ooh. I am worried like he could legitimately bury me but if he's just playing in the slot and he's not getting a bunch of touchdowns I don't know I is he gonna bury me he was not good last year at all camp reports have been good that he's like consistently in the lineup he is one of the starting wide receivers along with MVS and Justin Watson so that's good. Now, when you're playing the slot on a Travis Kelsey team, you're probably competing with Kelsey for that right. range of the field. So could just be drawing coverage away from Kelsey as like his main goal. But I don't, he's a guy I want to start mixing in just so I, if he goes scorched earth, I don't have none. But I choose to play the Chiefs kind of through their cheaper options where it's like, give me some Richie James, give me some Justin Ross. Give me some Jarek McKinnon and on a PPR, pretty expensive too right now. Yeah, he's he's getting there now. But on a PPR site, I guess more is more tenable. But I'm just I'm still worried that he's not as good as we think he can be. And he maybe he doesn't have to be that good again if like Travis if Travis Kelsey gets hurt by de facto, like these guys have to be better in some sense. I don't maybe they just turn into maybe they run the ball. I don't know. So I'm Clyde Edwards Hilaire season, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I have one share out of 14 teams on underdog and a 4% share on, on, on DraftKings. So I'm also with you that I think there are just, yeah, cheaper options for Kansas city. This is a, a room where it's ambiguous. So maybe. And I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not usually taking wide receiver in this range anyways. 
how I build my teams is another reason where it's, yeah. if you think to Tyler Lockett last year, Tyler Lockett was a good pick, but he ended up actually not being a great pick because to take him came at the expense of taking usually a Ken Walker or Josh Jacobs, like league winning running backs. Right. And so sometimes the ADPs of these wideouts fall in the range where the league winning running backs can emerge and give me Rashad Penny over Sky Moore. Give me, give me some gambles like that. Yeah, because right now we're looking at Sky Moore's ADP, 92.7. Look, that's in the same range as the James Cook, Isaiah Pacheco, Dalvin Cook, who's fallen significantly. If Dalvin Cook signed somewhere, we could see his ADP significantly shift up. And you're also looking at Antonio Gibson, who could be a real nice piece of compliment to brian robinson aj Dillon, and is sky more like an expensive cole beasley like a guy who's not gonna get touchdowns or is he has the potential to be like cooper cup type where it's like dominating and the engine run the offense runs through him because you don't want expensive cole beasley at all no (laughs) you know you you do not because then as much as we like high floors the ceiling and spike weeks are so much more important and if the low A dot and not getting yards after catch or yards after contact, and that's not four going running backs that can take the, 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 but it's like Mahomes leads the league in these like shuffle pass touchdowns and whatnot. These, so it's, is, is Sky going to get those? I, I don't know. Maybe that's probably not because Sky Moore is not built to be that type of player. He's 5'10, 191. If that, he's not a, he's not a big guy. He's got 35th percentile arm length, 31 inches. Uh, but a player that certainly has some intrigue, maybe draft some Rashi Rice as well. This is yeah, I, I draft way more Rice than like he he got banged up today, but it should I, be nothing. He's an athletic dude. Let's roll the dice on someone unknown. Let's roll the dice on the unknown, Liam. It's been great chopping it up with you tonight. Where can the people find your work and find you? Where can they hit you up? You can follow me on Twitter at Chess Liam. I have a YouTube channel where I do typically daily best ball drafts or videos, just Liam Murphy on YouTube. And then planning to launch a best ball site here soon. Been procrastinating that. So look look for that to come soon. <laughs> Ooh, you guys heard it here. Liam's getting the goods for y'all. It's been such a pleasure, Liam. Good luck this year in the best ball streets. And, and maybe we'll, we'll have to get you on again soon. We'll do some drafts here in the, the coming months. Y'all should check out First Mover by Mark Garcia. Hi, low. You guys know him on Twitter. Make sure you guys are checking that show out because it is, fan, it is DFS gold. Mark is so sharp. He just did some great work on the tight end premium on FFPC and the psychology of tight end premium, how you should approach tight ends. And Mark's great. Yeah, Mark is a, a real sharp in the industry. Make sure you guys are checking out that show, First Mover by Mark Garcia. Thanks, everyone. Until next time, good luck in the best ball streets.